Good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, we have kids that are getting out of their chairs and heading back to Miss Jamie in the back, and uh, they're not going to be left out of the fun this morning, so have a blast. And um, I want to uh, say uh, how good it is to be with you this morning. Um, almost everything about our lives has been different this last year and remains so. Um, and um, we're just so grateful for you as a people who have stayed with us and uh, prayed for us in this time. Um, just an update that uh, this Wednesday we have our long-anticipated um, meeting with uh, the head of Debbie's oncology team, and uh, they will share with us the results of uh, the bone marrow biopsy that was taken just last Wednesday. So um, I'm, I'm trying to uh, um, follow Philippians 4, uh, seven, 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing. Um, so is Debbie, so are uh, the McCrackens and so, so many of you. So thank you for praying, um, and we will update you as we learn um, about that. So um, I, I do want to say something to you who are, um, who are here today um, on a first Sunday of a new year. It always grabs me that we get a chance to um, start out fresh. It's almost, have you ever, how many of you remember your Etch-A-Sketch? Did you have one as a kid? Yeah, well, you did. Man, I miss that toy. It was great. <laughs> I wish we could do that every year in our lives. Just kind of flip it, shake it, and then we start over, right? Wouldn't that be kind of cool? But um, I get the, that, 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 there's a wash of that image that comes over my mind every uh, start of a new year here, 2022. And I, um, I think deep things, I think pretty basic things too. You probably do as well. You know, what's the big picture? What am I here for? As my title in my uh, first message of this new year, what on earth am I here for? It got my attention, and I have been studying it and thinking it through very personally for me. Um, and uh, I want to give you a program note next Sunday, just so you know and can anticipate. We begin a new series called uh, uh, In Step with the Spirit. And... Uh, I'm really excited about that. We had moments with the master that lasted a full year, uh, wonderful moments. And so we're going to pick up there. Really, uh, some have called uh, the book of Acts the second half of Luke's gospel because Luke was the human author. He wrote the book of Luke, the gospel according to Luke, the physician. And the second half is the 30 years after everybody on count of three look up real suddenly. Ready? One, two, three. Yeah, you're doing what the disciples and others did as they watched Jesus return to heaven. And then 30 years of the church unfolded and the work of the Holy Spirit as promised. So that's all starting next Sunday. Hopefully you'll be here uh, with us for that. And um, it may be a year long um, if we're here still. So, <laughs> and, um, so what on earth am I here for? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, right away, my thoughts went to um, Esther and chapter 4 of her wonderful uh, story in the Old Testament. You need to read it, verse uh, 14, I think, where um, 
she is told by her uncle, you know, um, you need to go talk to the king. There's this plot underway. and so It's a great story. But she's told, um, knowing that it could cost her her life to take the, to follow the course that's before her. And he used those famous words that have been used again and again. I think they're appropriate even today. Um, was perhaps this is why you were born. For this you were born. And of course it turned out to be the case. And she saved the Jewish people. Um, so remarkable. Uh, over the last couple of weeks we watched uh, a movie. I think it's our second time actually. Um, had a lot on our minds lately, but we watched the, the movie um, Dark, The Darkest Hour, and it's about um, Churchill, Winston Churchill, the great leader from Great Britain during World War II. And um, it, was, uh, it was a remarkable thing, but to hear him describe the role he played, quite possibly in, in being used by God to save the world. I'm not saying he was... Uh, Sunday school perfect, but he stepped up when um, he realized that it was his time to answer that question, and he answered it saying, we will never surrender. We will fight till victory. And um, I thought, man, those are resolute kinds of ways to answer what on earth am I here for? I'll bet Esther, from way back in ancient times, and uh, Churchill, uh, just last century, would would say, I think I got my answer to what I'm here for. Uh, of course, it's not a new question, right? Some of you remember Rick Warren's um, gift. I would say the Holy Spirit gave the Christian world a gift through the book, The Purpose Driven Life. Um, if, you, if you haven't ever read that, you need to. If, you, if it's been a while, it's a human author, so give him a break. He's, he's He's wrong twice, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm wrong more than that on a given Sunday. So, uh, but the point is, there's some great things there. And, um, and it's actually the question that he asks at the opening of his book, The Purpose Driven Life. Um, and um, it's, uh, he actually starts out in a way that his editor thought might be, you know, book-selling suicide, which is, it's not about you. Imagine those as the opening words of a book, but if you've read it, you know uh, who it's about, and probably better than you did before you read it. But So um, it's not a new question. I want to be clear about that. I'm not a genius and came up with something, you know, unique. But it is a question that is always relevant in my life. And I would suppose the same for anybody hearing my words this morning. Of course, we live in a different world today. We live in the I culture, right? Um, that's, that's our world. And so much of the search for answers to my question, most people instinctively answer it, well, it's, it's, it's me. What on, what on earth am I here for? me. Okay, so why are you going to spend a whole sermon on that, Pastor? You know, I mean, surely there's something else behind the curtain, and, and there is. 
But we, we break down me in a lot of different ways. We talk about my success. It's about my pleasure. It's about my plans. Uh, six months ago, I asked the, the head of the um, um, hematology team that's been caring so gently for Debbie along the way, um, say, doctor, um, it was all brand new to us. We had no idea what acute, uh, acute myeloid leukemia was. And I said, so when, when can we get back to planning, making some plans? You know, like, like vacation and going on road trips and doing fun stuff. And his, my answer took, or my question took a while to get out there for him. He patiently listened. He said, not this year. And it was a jolt. There's, there's eye culture in me. I wanted my plans to work out. Isn't that why I'm here? This gets personal. <laughs> you know, I, I, I want my plans. I, I have my goals. I, I have my dreams, my ambitions. How could that be wrong? Um, I've just captured for you the very first uh, sentence in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. He, Paul is telling Timothy in the second to the last chapter he ever wrote, Paul. He's a wise and mature man, and he says to Timothy, realize this, bro. He's got his arm around young Timothy. He says, realize this, that in the last days, treacherous times will come. And then he gives a list of 19 descriptions. You don't even need to turn there. This is the only one I want you to think about this morning. For people will be, number one, lovers of self. Self. Um, so it would be a mistake to assume that the me focus is some kind of a new or modern mess that we've made of things. It's just not the case. In fact, I took time to go back to my first sort of standout memory of someone in the Bible who was really kind of heads above most people in a couple of columns. Uh, his name's Solomon, and um, <clears throat> he's described not by me or some theologian out there, but by the Word of God itself as the wisest human to ever live. Not just a smart guy, not just C.S. Lewis insightful guy. We're talking the wisest human in all of history. And guess what? You probably know what I'm about to say, but he too was obsessed with the question that's in front of us this morning on this first Sunday of the new year. What on earth am I, this is Solomon speaking now, not Steve, what on earth am I here for? It consumed him just as it consumes many of us today. And it's a good thing to be consumed by. What on earth am I here for came out in a journal. My Bible's open to the first chapter of Ecclesiastes. If you'd find your way there, I, I just, um, I can tell you the verses, but I want you to see it with your eyes as you hear a couple of thoughts there. And then we're just going to spend a little time in the Gospels with Jesus the Gospel of Mark, and then share communion together. But um, he wrote a, what 
is correctly called a journal. We're not sure when it was written, whether it was at the midlife. You heard of midlife crisis? He had one. Solomon, wisest guy in the world. Um, he had a midlife crisis, but I don't know if it was written then. It could have been late in life when things do tend to get a little clearer for most of us. Uh, whatever the case was, um, it's hard not to sense in what I'm going to show you right now the, the rather desperate drive in Solomon to find an answer. The smartest guy going, people. I remind you again. He wanted to know about that nagging question, what am I here for? In fact, his words repeat 36 times, and it's 12 chapters long, so do the quick math, at least three times, uh, well, three times a chapter. His conclusion is in verse uh, 2, actually, his first sort of front-end conclusion. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. So raise your hand if you've got a vague guess what verse 2 is about. <laughs> it's just like, it's a guy that scratches. No, not there. Scratches again. No, not there. Looks behind this curtain. Nothing there. Behind this door. Nothing there. And right at the beginning, he says it's meaningless, meaningless. Uh, other translations use the word vanity. Vanity, vanity, or I like this one, futility. Futile, futile. Everything's futile. Everywhere I look, it's futile. Solomon's sounds are those of a troubled person. He's got the grasp on things like nobody else before, during, or since him. And he's still going, what? This makes no sense to me. And it went way beyond just him pinning these words or scratching his head in frustration. He took it further. He's not just a complainer that whines and fusses and then we go home. He's not that guy. He, he had enough smarts to go deeper with his failure to be fulfilled. I've got to find this out. It's altogether another thing to go past just pointing out a problem and exploring with your own experience the answer to that problem. Maybe that's a description of you this morning. You, you've spent some time in your own life struggling with the same question. You think you've got it, and then it just sort of doesn't work for a while. Or you give up on it, or you forget it. And, and maybe you're a journal person or a, a, a diary person, but maybe not. Maybe you're, you, you, you're just left feeling those words, futility, meaningless. What's going on here? What's this all about? You hear yourself saying things like, what's the use? Why try? Am I describing you or somebody you know? Can you, can you tell me, is that true? Sure it is. You know some people that have given up on that question. They're done trying. 
Maybe you're one of them. Okay, a little heavy to get started here. Um, how far did Solomon go with his search? Wow. He tells us how far in uh, just about 11 verses later. Would you look down at, um, actually, drop down to um, verse 13. Um, <clears throat> he's, he's still sort of talking about his search for understanding and meaning. And he says, so I decided to apply my mind Notice these words, to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. So he's just not a guy that's folded his arms and saying, you know, life's stupid. This doesn't make any sense. What on earth am I here for? I got no idea, but who cares? Let's just live for the moment. Eat, drink, and you die. By the way, that comes up a bunch in his journal too. But verse 13 is telling here. He applies himself so don't miss his dedication there in those words. Do you see it? I applied myself as a guy that's leaning in. It's a guy that's willing to study hard, to give it his whole effort. That's what applied myself means. And he's doing two effort to what? To do two things. I look back at verse 13. The first is to study. Interesting term there, study. It's, it's a term to get to the bottom of a matter. So already some of you are back in a library someplace, in a university or a city library. You're going, I got to figure, finished sentence, this medical situation out, this, the, the stock market out. I got to figure out, you know, men or women or whatever it is. And, and you find yourself searching that matter just like he did. He set himself first. He applied himself to study, to go deep into this, to investigate and pursue a matter deep to its roots. It's the word research that we use. It's, it's to ask questions and wait for answers. If you know somebody or you're someone that got a doctorate and you did a dissertation or a thesis and that kind of thing, you know what I'm talking about. It's where you get you know, busy and you get deep and you stay deep and uh, secondary sources will not work. You've got to take it all the way back and find the footing of this truth that you're embracing. So... He traces truth here. That's what he means by to study. He traces it to its root, to drill down deeply. And he found his answer? No. Here's the grabber. Look at the second expression that's in the same verse. To study and, do you see those words, to explore? That's where he takes it to a whole new level. He goes from the intellectual search for an answer to his question to the experiential search. He went to the library and then he went out and tested what he had learned to see if it was true. He, he put shoe leather to the things that he had been studying. So let's make it alive today. He, he would be someone who read things about drinking and drugs that, that sounded like it was a kind of a medicine that could kill the pain. 
that could take away the question. So he decides he's going to get high, get drunk, and let life kind of take the edge off a little bit. You know people like that. That's been their answer. So he decided to do those things and, and give it a try. In his research, he learned that there's people that are, that are obsessed with sexual pleasure. They're, they're driven hard that way. And, 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 and so he thought, let, let me give it a shot. I don't want to just hear people tell me it's not a good idea. I want to try it myself. So how many wives did he end up having? Too many. <laughs> a, a thousand wives and concubines combined. Sexual toys. It was, it was insanity. That's what I'm saying. He didn't just waver off the path. He plunged headfirst. Then there's fortunes. Ah, oh, that's got to work. That's got to be the ticket. The more you earn, right, happier you are. So he did it. He arrived. How much does it take to be happy? Don't ask Solomon. It's estimated that his wealth in today's dollars, are you sitting down? $2.2 trillion dollars. I did the math. I did the math. That means Bezos, Gates, and Musk, the electric car guy. Add their wealth together, they must be bigger than Solomon's, right? No, it's barely 25% of Solomon's wealth. We might say Solomon was dead set determined to find out what on earth he was here for. And he gave himself without restraint to finding out that answer. I'm hope hopefully teasing you to the point where this is going to upset you. We're not going to finish with Solomon this morning. I hope you will read the rest of the 11 chapters and especially the 12th chapter. It's one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. But I'm not leaving this until you promise me you will not jump to chapter 12. <laughs> before you read 2 through 11, okay? All right? Do I have a promise? Okay. Don't make a vow and fail to keep it. Ecclesiastes 5 says. It's actually in the same. All right. So um, <clears throat> that takes me to Mark chapter 8. There's a... Um, there's a statement Jesus makes. I want us to hear it in answer to this really important question. What on earth am I here for? Would you turn to Mark chapter 8, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. There's four gospels. Three of them are known as synoptic gospels. They summarize the journey and teaching of Jesus. John is the theological presentation of Jesus. but uh, and, and some journey as well. But the three others... Um, Mark's gospel, chapter 8, is repeated in Luke chapter, uh, or Matthew chapter 16, and Luke as well. 
But Mark chapter 8 says it in sort of a summary way. Jesus' words that underscore the importance of finding the right answer to the question. Not just for today or the beginning of the year 2022, but for the rest of our lives. So, um, Jesus' words reported here in Mark chapter 8. I want to read them and then let's just talk about them a moment and be done. Um, I should tell you, he's at a place where he's about to reveal something for the first time. I'm going to give my life on a cross. I'm going to Jerusalem, and it won't just be walking up to a cross and going, hey, guys, here I am. I'm going to be beaten, beaten senseless. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to suffer greatly. He says all of that just before we come to the words we're going to read now. Um, the, the disciples, by the way, um, are pondering a question that Jesus had because he's about to drop a bomb on them of information and they better know who, he's, who they're hearing this from. So Jesus says to them up in um, uh, Tiberius Caesar, up north of Galilee, hey, what's the talk about me out there? What are you hearing regarding me? Who do people say I am? And they came up with different information they're hearing on the street, and then Jesus says, no, I am actually the one who came to give his life. And this is how he presents it. He began to teach them, verse 31, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. You and I know those details. He spoke plainly about this, but there was one disciple who couldn't just sit there any longer. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, which is actually an achievement. T Peter's known to just say it in the moment. But he pulls him aside and says, hey, hey, hey what, 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 what in the world? Remember, this is the first time he's revealed it. What are you saying? This is crazy. It reveals, by the way, some of Peter's ambition. We had big plans. We're going places. People are showing up early to listen to us, to you, but I'm there with you. It's all there for Peter. And you talk about a cold shower right here. So he pulls him aside and says, what, 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 what's going on here? And he rebukes Jesus. But when Jesus, verse 33, turned and looked at his disciples who were watching this little exchange... He rebuked Peter, Jesus' words now, get behind me, Satan, not Simon, Satan. That, that would, if we were there, we would have gone, what? Get behind me, Satan. You do not have your mind on the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And Jesus continues. He called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple, like Pete, must deny themselves. Are you hearing the word surrender? And take up your cross and follow me. 
For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. I want that word to be may lose it. Remember me? I culture? I just stepped on all of us with that statement. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose, said Eliot, the famed missionary. Boy, he would wince at those words. He's with Jesus now. He lost his life telling about Jesus. What good is it for someone, Jesus continues, verse 36, to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? Next time you have somebody in your presence that's waxing eloquence about their fame and fortune, I'm not sure Jesus wants you to be quiet about the words he just, we just read. I asked them recently of a man that was going just there. And I, I thought, man, this could wreck everything. I don't even know this guy, but I just feel compelled to say it. You know, I remember Jesus' words. What, what does a prophet a man or a woman, if they gain the whole world, have $2.2 trillion, yet lose their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus is talking about something that matters the most here. Verse 38, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory and with his holy angels. There was a, a missionary that um, I would have wanted to hang out with but I, I, maybe only once. <laughs> you know that kind of guy? You're going, wow, they've just got to go deep. They're, this guy's an amazing guy. And he, and he did some things that I would have done differently. Um, he waved goodbye to his wife and never saw her again in this life as he went to China as a missionary. So hopefully that doesn't keep you from hearing these words that I think are inspired by God. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. C.T. Studd. Remember first hearing those words going, man, perfect last name too. Boom. Stud thing going on here, man. What a rock star. Then I found out he did that thing. He, he went and he actually gave it all up. I, it bugged me. He might have it to do over again. He'd make sure his wife went with him. I don't know. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ last it seems to me though that only when we settle the question 
that's in front of us this morning that we will not risk wasting our lives. What on earth am I here for? Um, there are a couple of uh, greats in the Bible that uh, we've talked about Solomon, and of course Jesus stands alone. But the greats I'm thinking of are David, a king, had a lot of great times. A few, uh, I'm sure he wished he had the Etch-a-Sketch. You know, read Second Second Samuel 11, you'll agree. But he said something in Psalm 39, one of his many psalms, almost half of the psalms he wrote. How about that? And he said this, show me, O Lord, my life's end. He's, he's sitting in a moment at the beginning of a new year, like we are. Show me, O Lord, my life's end. It's been years since I had a contact go bad in the middle of a message. Anyway, I kind of have these words memorized. So, <laughs> show me, O Lord, my life's end. Let me know how fleeting... Yeah, you're all still there. Good. <laughs> I think I blinked it out, which means I could step on it at any moment. But um, Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. How fleeting was his word. It's a prayer, by the way. Psalm 39, 4 and 5. How fleeting my life, my days are. They're just a hand breath. We're all just a vapor, a mist. Every one of us is just a breath. They see, he seemed to get it with those words. I think he understood something there. Then comes Moses. Actually, Moses was way before him, but the only psalm Moses wrote, Psalm 90. And maybe it will surprise you that he prayed the same prayer, very similar prayer. So Moses and David, Moses said, 70 years are given to us, 80 if you're super strong. In, in our modern world with medicine, a lot of people live longer than that, and I know a lot of them that wish they hadn't. It's not fun after about 90-something. Anyway, that's another message. Um, but then Moses says this, even the best of our years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear. And we fly away. So teach us the brevity of life, Lord. Do you hear the prayer there? That we may grow in wisdom. A lot of famous people died over the holidays. Some people you don't know, but I know, died as well. It's, uh, it's what happens. Um, and I will too, one day. And I hope I've answered the question, what on earth am I here for? And I hope a pastor stands up when I can't do it anymore. And says that same thing to me. So I don't ever 
not have that in front of me. Um, there's a uh, couple that uh, answered the question that we've been talking about this morning poorly. Um, their story is meant to cause all who hear it and who are trying to settle the question, what on earth am I here for? It's meant to um, stop you in your tracks and make you decide. Uh, <clears throat> in some cases, cause you to do uh, an about face, a course correction before it's too late. Okay, that's, that's, I'm putting it out there. John Piper, in a book I have on my shelf called Don't Waste Your Life, tells about <clears throat> a nameless couple that was actually being celebrated when their story was told. It was actually being put out there as some sort of great, grand accomplishment story. Um, so he tells their story. It's very brief. It's one, two sentences long. But um, I'm kind of sure they wish they had a redo. Maybe you'll feel the same after you hear this. Um, John Piper wrote in the book, Don't Waste Your Life, quote, I will tell you what a tragedy is. I will show you how to waste your life. A couple took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast. The man when he was 59 and the woman when she was 51. Now they live in South Florida where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect seashell. Then Piper adds, picture them before Christ on the great day of judgment. Look, Lord, see my shells? End quote. I leave you with two impressions. I've had those thoughts. What a, what a lucky couple. I've also had like a nauseated feeling like I have right now admitting that to you. That's not real. It's tragic. And I'm not far behind Piper in saying I think it's a wasted life. I'd like you to bow your heads with me this morning. And um, servers are going to join us down in the front. The lights are going to come down softly for us to kind of frame a few things around something that should stop us in our tracks to cross. Um, the sacrifice that we've talked about this morning of Jesus giving his life on a cross so that he could come to have first place in everything, so that we could become surrendered people 
every day in every way. Um, I'm just going to be bold and guess something here this morning. Um, Some of you have been dreaming of the kind of life like that nameless couple. And you're hearing words today that just stop you in your tracks. I want you to hear some words of hope. It doesn't have to turn out that way for any of us. Even if you've started down that path, the Bible's all about U-turns, redos. Stop, look, listen, think. Um, Maybe you're going to be like Esther when you're done thinking that you were made for such a time. And God will show you the details of that. Maybe you're going to be like Churchill and it will be for you the darkest hour that God wants your light to shine in. Maybe that's the story. Maybe that's how it fits your life at the start of this new year. I do know this, Jesus sacrificed his life and that's why uh, communion is such a powerful piece of communication because it it's it's simple it's the bread and it's the cup and they remind us of something done for us something that was described in the words we read this morning And uh, those words are no easier for us to hear today than they were when Simon and the disciples heard them. We might want to stop Jesus and say, no, 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 not here, not now. Let's go a different direction, Lord. But... That's not how it turned out. Jesus surrendered himself to the Father's will. And he asked nothing less of us. As you're served by the servers this morning, the bread and the cup, hold it, would you, until we're all served. And then let's share together. In a a reminder, in the image that should empower us to live our lives, to get the answer to the question, what on earth am I here for? Let's share in communion together.